Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Join us for the last week of our mixtape series. That's, hey, that's fun, right? Who loves some 90s music? That's what that thing is filled with. My man A.C. Slater up there. I don't know if you guys caught that or not. I don't know if you, if you follow that or not, but um, that was when, when I, you know, wake up in the morning. I don't know the song. I shouldn't even try. But I love Saved by the Bell. All right. Hey, uh, I'm excited today because, you know, we're wrapping this thing up, but it's, it's a little bit personal today because I'm going to go back to my roots a little bit. Garth Brooks, which I don't have that song today, but he said, blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and that's what I did today. All right. So I'm excited about that. We're sharing a little bit about some things that we see in country music this morning. Do I have some country music fans out there? Anybody? No. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, anybody hate country music? Yeah, you're going to hate today. <laughs> Be like, I hated church today. You didn't. No, you did not. You don't. Say, well, he played country music. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Anyway, well, well here's, here's what I got for you. If you don't like country music, I got a little bit of fun for you today. Um, First and foremost, let's get into the music a little bit. I want to share just kind of where I'm going to go today with this whole mentality and this whole thought of country music. And I, I, here's, here's the, the ruggedness of country music. When I think of country music, my dad loved him some country music. He loved him some, some Waylon Jennings and some Willie Nelson. Um, and, and, and this is a song they did together. And this is one of like the greatest uh, old-fashioned country songs, and it's called The Highwayman. Anybody know this song? So you guys know this song? I was a highwayman. This song right here. I was a highwayman. Woo! Along the coach roads I did ride. Man, I love Willie Nelson. He's still around. One of my bucket lists is to see Willie, Willie Nelson. He's, he's got a unique voice. But this is like, this is cowboy music right here. My dad has a beard. I've never seen my dad without a beard in his entire life. He mined in Colorado. Like, he's a construction, like, I mean, just, this is what I picture. When I think, when I hear this song, I just picture my dad. I mean, that's, that's what I picture. So, oh, there's Johnny Cash. I mean, come on. All right, here we go. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. But that, 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 that's how cool that song. It's just cool. When you think of, like, the, the, a cowboy who do you think of like the best, like the coolest just cowboy ever? Anybody? I hear John Wayne, right? Like several people. Come on, that's, that's who it is, right? So, so we got a little John Wayne, all right? Um, probably one of the, the greatest uh, country music singers was, was my man, George Strait. 
I remember when I was on a, this is a funny story, I was on a middle school, um, seventh grade, I think everybody when they're in middle school, they go to St. Augustine. If you were, grew up in Florida, you go to St. Augustine for a field trip. I remember going on a field trip, we were riding on the trolleys, and our field trip director, or the person on the trolley said, we're gonna head down to George Street. And I had a friend that said, no! And, and they're like, what, why, what's wrong with you? He's like, he said, I thought, I thought we were going to play, I thought you said we are going to play some George Strait. Like he was terrified of the fact that, but here, this is a song called Cowboys Like Us. Man, this is a good song. Yeah, just we amigos. And we roll on steel horses. That's, that's motorcycles, by the way, just in case you guys weren't paying attention. All right, so that Cowboys Like Us. So if you haven't been paying attention over the last several months, I grew up in a very small country red... I'm not going to say it, cowboy town. My high school mascot like literally was the Cowboys. Um, And this song, I should have started with this one, but this is a country music song by Kenny Chesney, which really doesn't count as country music, but some of you do, so we'll go ahead and count it. But this song is really just the idea of this whole series. It's called I Go Back. And it's the whole idea of hearing a song and how it takes you back to a certain time in your life. And for him, he was talking about his high school days. This should have been the theme song for the whole series, but here it is. He's talking about a song that he remembers from when he was in high school. Suddenly this crazy world made more sense to me. Well, I heard it today and I couldn't help but sing along. Because every time I hear that song, he goes back. And I go back to a two-tone short bed Chevy Driving my first love out to We don't need to drive first loves out to the Chevy. That's not, that's not approved. All right, so listen, um, with that being said, I grew up in a, in a very small town, and, 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 and those are my people. And that's what this song is called. It's called These Are My People. And, and I don't even need to play that, but that's what that, that is. And then ultimately, ultimately... If you're going to want to be a cowboy, you got to know Toby Keith. And Toby Keith sang a song called Should Have Been a Cowboy. And hey, nothing, ain't nothing look like a cowboy than Toby Keith in this photo. I don't Hey, John, this has got John Wayne written all over it, doesn't it? Like, I don't understand, like, the 1993 cowboy, but this was the 1993 cowboy look. And in this song, he says, I should have been a cowboy. And this is literally the, cowboy, the, the album cover for that, that song that he's on. And speaking of 1993 cowboys, I think we've got a 1993 cowboy up here that I want to show you. I got my style from Toby Keith back in the day. Here I am. Look at this guy. Hey, I should have been a cowboy. So blame it all on my roots. Hey, this boy right here was in some Justin Boots. I was so proud of having Justin Boots and how they were named after me. That was the best thing ever. But I was in 4-H. I raised pigs. For, for, I don't like, I, I tell people that now and they don't like, what? I, you raised pigs? Yeah, there's, yeah. See, I've been a Denver Bronco fan for longer than you guys realize. Uh, but no, I, I, this was my very, very first pig. That pig right there was called uh, Miss Piggy. That's what I named her. That is, you're, I'm going to give you way too much information. That is a Hampshire pig. Hampshire pigs are, always have the white streak right there um, on its first leg. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the breed of that particular pig. That, but that's my first pig, literally 1993, right? Some of you were like, are you kidding me? That's what you look like in 93. Um, but yeah, 1993, this was my first pig. 
And uh, Miss Piggy was, was her name. And, uh, and the next year I had another pig. And this, this was, this was uh, you know, same outfit. But this is a, this is a Dorok. It's a, any red-haired red pig is a Dorok pig. And, uh, and that was me at the fair. Yeah, this is, we got to show them. Um, and and he, we had walk them around with canes. I don't understand the premise. But um, that's, that's me um, trying to win showmanship. Notice the boots. Right, I love these boots right here. But go ahead. We, I think we, one more. Is there one more? Or no? That's probably a no then. Okay, that's fine. That's, we could take that off. We don't need that on the screen. But that, that's, that's how you be a cowboy right there. That's a, that's a real cowboy, all right? And uh, I, I want to share that with you more specifically today because today I'm going to read and walk you through Matthew chapter 9. And one of the things that um, I, I was just reading through this when I was preparing for this series, and I was, I, I just, I thought, Jesus is amazing, like, I don't know if you guys read your Bible, if you spend time in the Word. Low key, this whole series has been about just diving into the Word. And I want to encourage you to do that because when you slowly start to discover who God is, it really just changes everything. And so I want to challenge you with that today. And today, as we wrap up the series, I'm going to walk you through the whole Matthew chapter 9 and just share with you just the amazingness and the awesomeness of who our God is and who the amazingness and awesomeness of just what Jesus did when he was here on earth. And Matthew chapter 9 really isn't the full picture of who Jesus was and what his ministry was all about. But man, we see a whole lot happening here in this chapter that really gives you a great glimpse of who Jesus is and his character and really what he's all about. And I'm excited to share this with you this morning. Um, this, is, this is awesome. And, and if, I can even, if I can even speak what God has, has, has done with me through Matthew chapter 9 in the last couple of weeks... Um, then great, if I could give you 10%. But I'm telling you right now, it, it is so cool, and I, I wanna encourage you just to go through this and read this yourself this week and really just get an idea of who Jesus is. Because I know how it is. Like when you, somebody reads to you, you're not really reading along. Like you're paying attention, yeah. You may be taking notes. You should be. Uh, but you don't really fully grasp what's happening here until you sit down and say, all right, Lord, show me what you wanna show me with this scripture this morning, this evening, this time when I'm sitting down with it. Show me what you want to show me and allow me just to just understand who you are. And so until you do that, you won't fully grasp this. And that happened for me. And I'm going to try my best to walk you through this whole thing. And, it, and for me, it, it, it was a game changer because you, you really get a glimpse. And this is where you really get a glimpse of who Jesus is. Matthew chapter 9. We see the Son of Man forgives and heals. This is talking about Jesus. That's the title of, uh, in my Bible of, of this particular point. It says the Son of Man forgives and heals. In Matthew chapter nine, verse one, it says, so he got into a boat and he crossed over and he came to his own town, right? Talking about um, going, back to, uh, going back to your roots here. He goes, he go back to his own town. Just then some men came to him with a paralytic sitting or lying on a map and uh, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of his scribes said among themselves, he's blaspheming. How, how dare he? How could he do that? Your sins are forgiven. Did you hear him? He's blaspheming. At this time, the scribes and the monk, you know, they, they were just all kind of just chattering and saying, how could this man say what he's saying? He, he doesn't have the authority to do that. He doesn't, who does he think he is? He can't say that. He can't forgive sins. It's almost like he's, they're wagging a cane at him or something. I don't know, I'm trying to picture what that looked like. But, but all these guys, these self-righteous, these religious 
men were around and, and, and they were saying, how dare this man say that he can forgive those sins? How can he just walk up to this guy who's a paralytic and just say, all right, your, your sins are forgiven? How can he do that? But here's, here's Jesus, the John Wayne. His, I don't know, I can't really do the John Wayne swagger, but he, you know, he's, he's walking up. You know, I, I kind of picture it. I, that's, you, know, you picture Jesus how you want, but you know. Anyway, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk. So, so Jesus says, all right, so why are you guys thinking the things that you're thinking? Why are you saying that? Why, why do you not believe? Why are you, why are you questioning? He, he says, is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven? So if he really is the son of God, is it easier for him to say that your sins are given? Or, mic drop moment, is it easier for him to say to the paralytic man who everybody knows has been crippled all his life to just get up and walk? Which one's easier to say? Because anybody can really just walk up and say, hey, your sins are forgiven, and then it not necessarily be true. Like, that could be, he could be blaspheming if I walked up to the paralytic man and said, hey, your sins are forgiven, buddy, don't worry about it. Like, that would be blaspheming, Right? But this is the son of God. This is Jesus coming in. He says, hey, son, your sins are forgiven. They're like, oh, how could he say that? And then Jesus says, why are you thinking the things that you say? You know, why are you thinking that? Is it easier for me to say that his sins are forgiven? Or for him to get up and walk? All right, and look what he does. But so that you know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive the sins. And then he told the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat and go home. So not only did he say, hey son, your sins are forgiven. And then he get challenged on it and say, hey, what's easier for him to say that the sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. They were probably just standing there like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. And he says, all right, son, get up and walk. And the man got up and he went home. And the crowd saw this and they were awestruck and they gave him glory. They gave glory to God who had given such authority, who had given such authority to men. So here's Jesus. He got challenged by the scribes and the, the people that were around, the religious people. And he says, all right, I'll show you. I'll show you something. And he told the man to get up. And the very next uh, section here in my Bible, it says the call of Matthew. This is, you know, the book is called Matthew, but here it, Jesus is actually calling him to follow him. And he says, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting on the ta in the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And so he got up and followed him. And here's something that we see from Jesus. Jesus wants us to follow him. Our first point, did I, already did I go, go over the first point there? Yeah, be bold. Here's what Jesus was. He walked up to the paralytic man and he said, your sins are forgiven. This is the type of God that we worship. This is the Jesus that we worship. We worship a bold God. That he would say something like that around all the religious people because he knew he was gonna receive the, the flack that he got from these people. So on top of that, he went John Wayne on him and said, you know what, what's harder? I'm gonna tell this man to get up and walk too. And then what are you gonna say? So really what really changed the minds of the people around him is when he actually told the guy to get up and walk. Forget the fact that he said your sins are forgiven, but when he told this crippled man to get up and walk and the guy got up and walked, that's when he got up and walked. Jesus was bold. We worship and we celebrate and we follow a bold God. 
And he's going to be bold in your life. And he's going to challenge you to do different bold things. And sometimes we get into this religious track that we need to go to church and do these things. And this is the thing. And this, I got to do this, 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 and this, and this. And if this, and this, and this, and this doesn't happen, then my world's crumbling apart. It's like a tower of, uh, of cards that, you know, all of a sudden when one card's removed, the whole tower comes down. That's, what not, that's not what a relationship, that's what religion can be based on because those people, those scribes, those people, those religious people, when he told the man, get up and walk, their tower of cards just fell apart. But our God is bold. Our God is brave. Our God is amazing. He does amazing things and he'll surprise you and he challenged uh, all of these people with this statement for this man to get up and walk. And so he's going to do some bold things in your life, but you've got to understand that it is all about a relationship. And a relationship starts with the same way that it happens with Matthew. He's challenging all of us at some point in our life to follow him. Jesus wants you to follow him. So Jesus walks up to Matthew and he's sitting in the tax office. And if you don't know, the tax collector right around this time of the year, right? This is the most amazing time of the year when we have to file our taxes and spend time with our CPAs. And the CPAs love us because this is the one time of the year that things are really rolling for them. And, 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 and it's miserable, right? It's not fun doing our taxes. In this time, the tax collectors were known as cheats. They would, they would tax people based on uh, whatever they wanted to tax them on. They would overtax people. They could tax whatever they wanted to tax because they weren't regulated. So they were evil people. So here's Matthew, this person that was looked as low life because he's a tax collector. Jesus walks up to him and he's sitting in his tax office and he says, follow me. And so Matthew, recognizing something in Jesus, recognizing the boldness that is in him, the boldness that we can see in scripture when we really start to spend time with Jesus in scripture, and see what he's doing in our lives and recognize how bold he is, the first thing that we need to do is follow him. If he says, follow him, I'm gonna follow this guy. This guy, he's got something going on. So if we recognize that Jesus is bold and he is who he says he is and amazing things to him, like, let's just follow him. And so verse 10, while he was reclining at the table of the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as uh, as guests to eat with Jesus and his disciples. And when the disciples saw, and when the Pharisees saw, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? These Pharisees, these super religious people were like, what's, the, what's with this guy? He, he goes and he, he performs these miracles and he, he says he's, the, he's, he's a man of God or he is God, the son of God. He has all this authority. Who is he to sit with tax collectors? This is the lowest of lows. He should be sitting with us. Why isn't he sitting at our table? We got everything going good. We're perfect. We're religious. We go to church. We read our Bible. These guys would, would memorize, you know, just spoiler alert, the New Testament didn't exist at this time, right? Okay. Uh, the Old Testament, they had it memorized. A lot of these guys would know the Old They knew script. They had it right here better than all of us. They had everything memorized. So they, they said, who is this guy to walk in here, John Wayne-like, and just have fun with the tax collectors and eat with them? What's, like, what's he doing? I could see them. I mean, it's like, you know, you know, at the restaurant. They're over there, like the corner booth that everybody wants, the circle one that's really cool. Like it's in its own little special nook. And, and they're over there. They're... <laughs> 
<laughs> they're having a fun time laughing and all these other guys are over here disgruntled and like, they're all having fun over there. Why is he with Matthew? That's not right. He should sit with us. But when Jesus, in verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So those that are physically sick, they need a doctor. But those that are spiritually sick, they need a savior, right? So here's Jesus, he says, listen, it's not necessarily about who's perfect and who's got it right and who's doing all the things that they should be doing. I didn't come here for the super religious people that think that they've got everything right. I've got it here for the broken people. I, got it, I, got it, I, I, I came here for the people who don't always get things right, for the ones that mess up. And if you look at your life and you look at, you know, he was talking to these people, but he's talking to us too. But if we look at our lives, none of us are perfect. Sometimes we think that we've got things right. Sometimes we're self-righteous and we think that we are, are, are perfect in this area in our life and maybe not in this. Listen, we don't have everything figured out. I can tell you that right now. And when you think you have something figured out, you don't and you need to be careful. Because Jesus didn't come here for the perfect. He came here for the broken. And the, the church is a hospital for the broken, not a museum for people that think that they've got it all right and that are perfect. Jesus is after our heart. He's not after our perfection. The, God cares more about who you're becoming than where you're going or where you've been. And the church really is, 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 is about progress. It's not about perfection. So I want to challenge you with that thought today that the church, this church, Anchor Church, the church, the global church, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. And we have a saying at Anchor Church that says that we never stop improving. And where in your life is improvement needed? And that's where Jesus steps in. Because he didn't come here for the people that have it perfect. Doctors only see patients who are sick. The hospital, really. I mean, we go to, go to our, get our checkup and all that stuff. But, but you get the point. Jesus is here for people who are spiritually sick and all, every single one of us are there because we're not perfect. That's such an impactful statement that Jesus says here. And I hope that you can kind of catch that. I'm gonna skip down to Matthew chapter, uh, let's see, nine uh, verse. We'll go to verse 27. Is that what I have next? As Jesus went from there, two blind men followed him shouting, have mercy, son of David. All right, they acknowledged who he was. And when he entered into the house, the blind men approached him. And Jesus said to them, oh, I went too far. I didn't want to go that far. Let's go back. 18. This is important too. All right, so as he was telling, this is Jesus, as he was telling him these things, suddenly one of the leaders came and knelt down before him and said, my daughter is near death, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. All right, so here's this man. He's desperate, right? He's following Jesus. He wants to experience the healing powers of Jesus and his daughter. He's desperate. He pursues her. 
He follows after her and he pursues her and he's right there with her and he, sa- and he says, come and help heal my daughter. I know that you can do something. I know that you can make something miraculous happen. And as they head down there, so that Jesus and his disciples got up and they followed him. In verse 20, just then a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years approached from behind and touched the tassel of his robe, Jesus's robe. And he said, uh, so she said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be made well. Here's, here's a lady who's been bleeding. She's had a problem for 12 years. And she knows that if she could just get close to Jesus, if she could just touch him, just, just a little bit of the thread of his robe, if, if she could just get close enough to him, that she will be healed. She believes it. She knows it. She understands the power of who he is. And maybe some of you are in here this today and you believe it. You know that Jesus is bold. You said that I follow, I'll follow you, Jesus. And right now, the difference between following him and understanding and being a, a, a Christ follower is this next step where this woman was and she pursued him. And we need to pursue Jesus. If we're really going to grasp and understand who he is, the next step beyond recognizing that he's bold and beyond recognizing that we need to follow him, you need to pursue him. Because when we pursue him, amazing things can start to happen. Listen, God can say, come follow me, and you can have a, a great relationship with him. But sometimes it takes that extra effort. It takes that pursuit to be able to be with him. Because Jesus was not on his way to go heal this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. He was not on his way to do that. He was on his way to go, just like this man came to him, to go rescue his, his daughter. Jesus was on his way. But sometimes we need to cause a little bit of an interruption in where Jesus is going. And that's where prayer gets involved. That's where understanding scripture gets involved. That's where understanding what God is doing in your life. The more and more that you're into what he's displaying in your life and being aware of all the things that's happening, we can step in and start to pursue him and say, Jesus, this is what I really need. This is what I really want. I know that you want this from me. I know that this is what is, is gonna make you glorified. Help me. I'm pursuing you with every fiber of my being because I know that if I'm just in with a breath of where you are, that you are gonna do something amazing in my life and that's where this woman was. He, she, touched, she touched his robe and then Jesus turned around and he saw her. Have courage, daughter, he said. Your faith has, been, has made you well. Jesus recognized the faith in this woman and she, he said, your faith has made you well and the woman was made well from that moment. And when Jesus came to the leaders, okay, we've already moved on past this lady. The lady came in, touched the robe, amazing happened. He has moved on and when Jesus came to the leader's house, he saw the flute players and a crowd lamenting loudly which means that the daughter was dead. Jesus arrived late in everybody's mind except for Jesus's. Jesus shouldn't have spent time talking to the lady bleeding, right? Because he was in pursuit of something else. Well, Jesus, he's bold and he can do things on his own time. That's how cowboy he is. And here's what he says. Leave because the girl isn't dead but sleeping. And they started to laugh at him. I don't think I'd ever laugh at John Wayne. I don't think I'd ever laugh at Jesus. But when the crowd had, begin, uh, had been put outside, he went in and he took her by the hand and the girl got up and the news spread throughout the whole area. This man was doing something amazing. 
and I don't know if you're doing a record or if you keep a record, but just this is like foreshadowing. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised this girl from the dead. Eventually, he would raise himself from the dead because that's the power of who he is and the power of the resurrection. Verse 27, as Jesus went from there, two blind men followed him shouting, have mercy on us, the son of David. Again, recognizing who he is. And he entered the house and the blind men approached him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? And they said, yes, Lord. They answered him. And then they touched his eyes saying, let it be done for, your according, to, uh, for according to your faith. And their eyes were open and Jesus warned them sternly, be sure that no one finds out. But they went out and spread the news among uh, throughout the whole area. And here are two men that just ran after Jesus. They believed in him. They pursued him. And importantly, they, they trusted him. Jesus said, do you believe that I can do this? And they said, yes. They trusted in the fact that, that, that he would be able to heal their blindness. There's four major important points for us today to understand who Jesus is. And we can see it time and time again, but that's how awesome he is. He can do incredible things in your life. And it takes effort, yes, but it's not about our effort that gets us there. It's about this relationship. It's about pursuit. He wants to know that you care. He loves you regardless. That's the, that's the power of the gospel. But when we start to discover who he is, when we start to discover the, the importance and the power of our Savior, that's when we really start to develop. That's when we really start to grow. We can understand that he's bold and he's gonna do bold things in our life. We can understand that he's asking and calling us to follow him. Every single one of us, he wants us to follow him. And what's cool about that is that he called Matthew, the tax collector, the lowliest of lows, and if he's calling this guy to follow him, he's calling all of us. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.